0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right. That's how all revolutions start, As I listen to the first second. And it's always me going, all right. Good to see you all here. And uh, thanks for everyone who's listening online. As always, glad to have you. Um, I was in New York last weekend for Reverend Vince's wedding. Um, For you, those who don't know who Reverend Vince is, he was my co pastor for quite a few years in New York City when we used to meet at Pete's Candy Store and he finally got married. It was a pretty great wedding and done only the way he could do it. It was in a hardware store in the middle of Brooklyn and then they had a parade with pretty much full band um, to the After Party, so we walked in a parade to the after party, which was a couple blocks away, which was pretty surreal and crazy for the introvert me. Um, The first song they played was Let's Get It On, so that was pretty pretty awesome. And it was good. I got to stay in my old apartment, which I lived in for seven years. (laughs) And so that was really weird because I stayed in touch with my landlords, and they're awesome. So, it was a little bit like going home. It was really nice. So, uh, it was good. Thought I'd keep you up on, to catch you up on that. Um, today, we're going to be in John 8, 1. And it is about the woman caught in adultery but i wanted to kind of talk about what the jesus revolution really was what was the really I mean, what was one of the revolutionary things of jesus you could argue that it was a lot of things um but why he was alive you know pre easter jesus was it the miracles or was it what he came to what he came to do so let's just look at this While Jesus went to Mount, to the Mount of Olives early that morning, he came to the temple. All the people came down to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. How they caught her in the very act, I have no idea and how it's just the woman and not the man that's another story why that's bizarre and they say and this is the to me this is here is the the most shocking part which usually i've heard this sermon i've heard people use this verse for a sermon many times and used very different focusing on different things but to me here's the real weird part of it is now in the Now, in the law of Moses, commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Now, just so you know, that's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. That's part of our Bible that says stone someone committed in the midst of adultery. And that literally means throw rocks at them until they die, which is pretty nasty. Am I right? Um. Now in the law, of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They said to this, to test him, to see what he might have some, to test him, so that he might have some charges to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote in the fingers on the ground, and I've heard very different reasons why he did that, but that's not what we're covering today. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let anyone amongst you who without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote in the ground. When they heard this, they went away. One by one, beginning with the elder, and, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. I was in a passion play when I was a kid, and this was part of the play. And I remember we all had rocks, and he said that, and we all went clunk, clunk, we slowly dropped our rocks, plunk, 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 plunk. <laughs> and all walked away. It was very dramatic. Just picture it, if you will. Um, but it was basically because you without sin cast the first stone. And once again, he bent down and wrote in the sand, in the ground. Then he heard they went away one by one. Jesus was left alone with a woman. Jesus straightened up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I. I condemn you. I, I, neither do I condemn you. Go away from now and do no sin, and do not sin again. Now, a lot of people want to also focus on the do not sin again, which I'm not going to focus on that today at all, and I don't think it means don't ever do anything wrong. Um, what I want to focus on is the stoning her to death that Moses' law commanded. And there's a lot of things in the old law that commanded death. Or commanded beatings, commanded violence. And the law commands death often. And Jesus comes along and says, No. Who, who are we to be able to command death? Who are we to be able to act in violence? You know, are any of us sinless? You know? Jesus didn't throw a rock either. <laughs> Even though everybody thought he was sinless. At least his mother did. Um, to me, this is the real one of the real revolutionary moments in the life of Jesus is the nonviolence. It said he comes and says, the violence that was practiced long ago is not what I practice. As I've come to fulfill the faith, if I've come to fulfill the law, I've come to show you that that's not the way the law is supposed to be. And for me, I get torn because when I read the Bible and I read Old Testament, even some of the New Testament, I get really upset and confused by how some people are treated. And especially in the Old Testament, the genocide and the commanding of, I can't remember where it is exactly, but where it talks about, Dashing infants' heads against rocks. I mean, there's, and that God commands this. And you go, how do we uh, deal with that? And a lot of Christians use that as an excuse for violence and have over the years. Um, But Jesus comes and says, no, we're not stoning anyone, we're not killing anyone. This is not what we're doing. In John, I'm sorry, in Matthew five, stand up, in Matthew five, thirty eight. Thirty-eight. Where are you, 38? Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and takes your coat, give them a cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to give one, go one mile, go the second mile also. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Which I'd like to borrow a few grand after this, by the way. Um, from you guys. No big deal. Um, goes on to 43 and it says, You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I mean, you see the change that's happening here. You've heard it said. And he's referring to the law he's referring to the law of moses he's referring to the old covenant and he's saying you've heard it said eye for an eye tooth for a tooth uh gandhi famous saying an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind and jesus is saying the same thing and going taking it even further about saying not to hate your neighbor but i say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of the father in heaven For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For you love those who only love you. What reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles, ouch, do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So if God doesn't change, and he's saying be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, he's saying part of that perfection is, is not practicing violence. It's nonviolence. It's loving people. It's resisting violence with passiveness, with, with passive nonviolence. I mean, it's, that's pretty intense. And it's a pretty amazing thing to see. Now, I have to admit, a lot of this is coming from my... Uh, Coming from this book, I'm reading. Not these necessarily these verses. A couple verses I'm about to read will, but this sermon is inspired by Derek Flood, who wrote this book, Disarming Scripture, which I've recommended for the past few weeks, and I'll keep to recommend keep recommending it. I think it's worth getting on Amazon or wherever you get where the fine books are sold. Um. So no revenge. We're we're called not to get revenge either. So we don't stone people, we don't get revenge on people, we don't do an eye for an eye, we don't do a tooth for a tooth. So this is something that's amazing about Jesus that I think gets falls between the cracks sometimes. You know, but when he says, Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself, and then they go, well, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus explains that your neighbor is also your enemy, and you're to love them as yourself that's revolutionary thinking. That's enough revolutionary thinking for me. You know, um, I, 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 you know, people say, oh, Paul was only concerned with the post Easter Jesus. And, uh, I don't think that's necessarily true because Paul does the same thing. And we'll see that here in a minute as Jesus did with verses in scripture. Um, Uh, back back in, uh, jumping back to 21.26, so 5.21.26 says, You have heard it said to those in ancient times, You shall not murder, and whoever murders you shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that, you are, that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother and sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell, to, to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first reconcile to your brothers and sisters. It's saying before you become right with God, before you try to do any of that, make sure you're right with your brother and your sister. Remember sure you're right with the other. That's pretty... Intense stuff. I mean, this is really turning the law on its head. This is really saying, I'm come to reform a religion and a faith. That if, I'm this, if Jesus who he claims he is, and he's saying all this stuff, I mean, he's reforming faith. He's not just saying, I'm come and all that stuff was cool. He's coming and saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to change all that. All that's going to change. It's all, all different now. You know, I, I don't, we don't want the violence anymore. And that, that's one of the things that people were hoping is that a Messiah would come and raise up an army and violently take over Rome, conquer Rome and rule. And Jesus is saying, that's not why I've come. When two of the disciples say, ask Jesus to bring down hell, fire, and brimstone, and he says, why don't you just bring down the fires of hell amongst these people? And Jesus goes, you don't even know what you're asking. You know, you don't know why I came. So Jesus changes the old ways. Um, And this is one of the things I wanted to read. Let's see if I... Luke 4. Jumping all over the Gospels today. Luke four sixteen it says, When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogues on the Sabbath day, as he was accustomed, and he stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophets, Isaiah, was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim and release the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now why is this interesting at all? is because of not of what he says. I mean, it is what he says is interesting, but it's because of what he leaves out. What Jesus leaves out is at the end where it says, in the Lord's favor, goes on to say, in the day of vengeance of our God. But he leaves that out. Now, everybody would have known that's how it ends. That, you know, it wasn't just like, comma, there's not a comma there, there's an and, there's not a a period, you know, it ends with, and the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus leaves that out. Why is that? Because Jesus is changing the old ways. Jesus is reforming our faith. He's changing the faith. He's saying Christianity is not about vengeance. Christianity is not about violence. Christianity is not about I mean, he doesn't know what Christianity is. He's not called it that. He's, but he's saying the faith is not what you thought. And I've come to bring good news. So why is it good news? Well, it's good news for those enemies. It's good news for those who would be persecuted. He's saying this isn't a faith of the... Perse- we don't persecute with this faith anymore. This is a faith of the persecuted, not the persecutor. Now Paul does the same same sort of thing in Romans nineteen and uh for time's sake I'm gonna read it from I'm gonna read what he he read from uh from from Derek Flood's book Disarming Scripture, but it's still what what Paul said. In Romans 15, for example, Paul quotes several scriptural passages to illustrate how Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy because of the gospel. Now remember, Paul comes and takes the gospel even further in inclusion and says, we're going to reach Gentiles and that Gentiles are our chosen people too. So, we're adopting all the Gentiles. Everybody who's not Jewish is getting adopted into the, the kingdom of God. Um... So then Paul takes two verses and smishes them together, and he says, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promise made to the uh, hierarchy so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written. And he says, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentile, with his people. Now, this is everything that was left out. Going back, it says, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promise made to the hierarchy so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy, it is written. And this is what was left out. I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but but the Lord, and he did not answer. He is the God who avenges me who puts the Gentiles under me. So this is a very selective editing. Like he's saying, like this is a scripture for you guys, but really it's a scripture that like, says, and he puts the Gentiles under me. But what does Paul do? Paul doesn't just cherry pick. He edits what he, he reads it how he wants to read it. He remembers it how he wants to remember it, and he uses it for the situation, and he leaves that out. It goes on to say, again, say, I rejoice Gentiles with his people. And then he leaves this out, for he will avenge the blood of the servants. He will take vengeance on his enemies and make atonement for his land and people. Leaves that part out. That's in Deuteronomy 32, 43. So he takes the Psalms in Psalms 18, takes that out, leaves now that part about destroying foes and, and, and killing Gentiles, and then he takes all that part out of, the you know, Deuteronomy. So Paul does the same thing, is taking violence out of the Scripture. Now, that doesn't mean we've got a complete nonviolent New Testament. I wish it did, but there's some violent things in there. And, uh, you know, I always think about in Acts, the two people who are struck down dead for lying about their money. Um. I've always struggled with that and not liked it and uh, disagreed with the reasons. But I guess that's okay because look what Paul and Jesus did. They took scriptures and they said, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't how it works. Now, it's one thing that Jesus did that. That's another thing that Paul did that because Paul's just a guy. You know, Paul's not special. Paul doesn't have any, I mean, he's got a calling on his life, yes, but he's not got a super special calling on his life. He's just a human being. He says, God shows no favor amongst men. Paul says that himself. So what we have here is a complete revisioning of the Gospels, a complete, uh, I guess you could say deconstruction, and they reconstructed it and said, oh, we're just going to leave some of the bricks out. And that's the good news in the gospel. Um, once again, just in another area of the Bible let's repeat what Jesus has said, but we'll just give it a different different sound. Um, in Luke 6, uh, 27, which we just, we read this earlier in uh, John, I believe. But it says, But I say to you, listen, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I mean, that's really, there's that... Secret thing, but it's nonviolence. So it's saying don't even and don't even hate. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Don't hate those who hate you. You know, if you want to know more about this, Gandhi really nailed it, and you can read about Gandhi and his nonviolence. Or if you want to read even more about someone who took it into another level again, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. He nailed it with nonviolence. You know, um, Google nonviolence, read about that. It's, it's the spirit of what we're reading here is there. Um, to me, this is good news. I'm going to go on and read a little bit more. If you love those who love you, what credit is that for you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that for to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you hope can receive with credit, is that. To, sorry, this Bible reads weird sometimes. Hope to receive what credit is due to you. Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Your world will be great and you will be a child of the Most High. Remember that? Child of the Most High. Act as. Be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect he 's saying you 'll be a child of God if this is how we respond to people um, you you'll you be acting as a child of most high you 'll be being fulfilling the Father being complete as the Father completes a better word than perfect um, like the Father when we don 't retaliate when we don 't seek revenge when we don 't bring violence against people um be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So this is this is my message today: is that if you're, if this is a struggle that you have and you, and you deal with and, and with the Bible, here's at least some little bit of good news from the pages of the Bible, and from Jesus and from Paul, um, about reformation in the Bible. And about change in the Bible because I know if I try to read the Bible and jump around it really confuses me and it brings me down and it can cause me to just want to rethink everything in my life but when I'm able to look at things like this and see a reformation happening in front of my eyes and seeing a change happen that's drastic and seeing Christ and and Paul Changing what they're changing the very verses and the very scriptures that they're reading to be more affirming and more open and more hopeful and more loving and less condemning and less violent and less bloody. That is good news. That's amazing to me. So, with that, um, we'll call it a day. Um, for those of you who uh, are listening online or here in service, we are a nonprofit, And uh, if you'd like to give, we, uh, you, can, you can give online by going to uh, revolutionchurch.com or you can go to the Revolution Facebook and click on Donation and give there. Um, but as always, we'd much rather have you listening than your money. So please don't ever feel obligated to give. But if it's something that you feel like you get something out of and something you want to do, um, we can always use your support. So thank you for that. So I'm going to end this thing with a prayer real quick, and then I'll pass the hat. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Uh, I thank you for your revision of the word. Um, It gives me hope gives me peace, and I hope that uh, it gives others the same. And uh, help us to continue to live that way and see that way and, and, and help us to see how we can treat others as we would want to be treated. Because um, it's a hard, hard call. So we just put that in your hands and ask for your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks a lot, everybody. This has been Revolution.